Blog Talk Radio. We believe in the American way, and we built this country called the USA, and we fly our flag because we're proud and free, we're Americans. Red, white, and blue is our way of life. Never back down from a challenge or a fight. Nature provides, God gives the rights, we're Americans. Make up America, but it's amazing America. Welcome, Patriots, to our Convention of States podcast, titled, That Provident Article, a reference given to Article 5 of the U.S. Constitution by James Madison. Our opening theme music is Amazing America, used by permission of Madison Rising, America's most patriotic rock band and endorsers of the Convention of States project. This podcast series is a weekly discussion concerning the fifth article of the U.S. Constitution, the amending provision with a general view on the phrase Convention for Proposing Amendments and specific focus on the Convention of States Project. For more information regarding the Convention of States Project, please visit www.conventionofstates.com. My name is Paul Hodson, and I've been a volunteer with the Convention of States Project in Texas since early 2014. Our goal is to continually educate ourselves on Article 5 to bring timely information relating to the Convention of States Article 5 movement and to promote the use of Article 5 to rein in our federal government. Our contact information here at That Provident Article, my email address, TexasDC for HD58 at gmail.com. That's Texas, D is in district, C is in captain, the number 4, H is in house, D is in district, the number 5, the number 8, at gmail.com. Uh, my Twitter handle is the same, at TexasDC for HD58. You can go to our Blog Talk Radio website, blogtalkradio.com, TexasDC for HD58. And we're on iTunes now. You can search for that Provident article and you'll find us out on iTunes. Uh, a reminder, our call-in number for the call-in portion of the show, 914-205-5632. We're in amazing America. And welcome to our October 10th, 2015 podcast, The Convention of States. We're going to begin with our Convention of States news, as we always do. And as always, there is much going on. I again invite you to go to the conventionofstates.com website to pull down the About News tab and to go through a lot of the stories which are are being posted, uh, many there each week. Uh, For example, the government follows a 3,000-page constitution. This story is a terrific story and terrific insight into the actual paper that is printed concerning all of the Supreme Court decisions and how that is the actual constitution, the laws that are followed by our Congress. Uh, And there's actually a, a site you can go to electronically to see this, and it's a free site, and we can actually see what it is that our government, our Congress, uh, our executive branch, uh, all the regulators, what they actually follow as the Constitution. You know, Mike Ferris has been presenting for many, many years the idea that there are two constitutions. The one that's written, which uh, the original Constitution had 4,400 words, 
when you add the amendments, it's about a 7,000-word document. Very, very small. Uh, a lot of people have pocket constitutions they carry. They can You can read the whole thing in about 20 minutes. But it's that 3,000-page constitution, which is the interpretation of the laws by the Supreme Court over the centuries, you know, more than two centuries' worth, which is what is actually followed. And they actually leave blank pages at the back of that compendium each time there's a ruling as they realize there will be subsequent rulings which will be uh, caused by the rulings which have just been passed down. Another story, great story, veterans and state legislators working together to save America. You know, our veterans have already shown that they love our country, they are willing to do and, and even make the ultimate sacrifice to defend and to preserve our country and to maintain our great uh Republic, and so they are banding together, and there is an actual contact point. If you go to that site, if you're a veteran, if you know any veterans, this is a way for them to gather together their force to once again become an army of grassroots supporters to work with their state legislators to go down to the capital of their states and to encourage these state legislatures to pass our application for a convention of states. Please, I invite you to go to that story, especially if you're a veteran. Encourage other veterans you know to go out to that site, band together, work with the Convention of States Project. Uh, we love having our veterans work with us side by side. Uh, there is once again another article with Mark Levin, another live spot he did this past week when uh, Speaker Boehner went ahead and announced his pending resignation Mark Levin went ahead and said, that's not going to be enough. We're going to need to call a convention to actually get things changed. Uh, about a two-minute audio commercial, live commercial that he does on his show, I can tell you we are getting a lot of traffic, a lot of support because of Mark's advertising for us, his promotion of us. Uh, he's giving us more. I heard Mark Meckler tell me this week, uh, he, Mark Levin is giving us actually more for our money uh, because he is, he is such a great supporter of the Convention of States. Another story. We've talked about Gallup's poll the last several weeks. Uh, we want to emphasize this week their annual governance poll. A majority of Americans think Congress is corrupt. And under that story, you will find that there are 79% of Americans think Congress is out of touch. 69% think that they basically cater to special interest, and a whopping 52% believe that Congress is actually corrupt. And for an individual congressman, it's the highest numbers ever for your own congressman. 48% of the people in their own district distrust their own congressman. Those numbers indicate to us that the movement is ready now for a convention of states to convince our state legislators that they have the power they are the only ones who are going to have the power to rein in this out-of-control government, this out-of-control federal leviathan, which threatens us with all their regulations, which leads us to this next story, the top-down regulations keeping a North Dakota business from growing and hiring. We know about the regulations and how they affect large businesses, but this story goes down to the small business level, the difficulties it is, even before Obamacare and those regulations came in, the difficulty of getting a business started, keeping it going, and the burdensome regulations which are now in existence, which prevent businesses from growing and hiring. And North Dakota is one of the booming economies in our nation because of the 
uh, oil and gas industry up there, the great amount of drilling that they've been able to do on private land. But even with all that growth there, these small businesses which which sprout up around a booming economy based on energy, even those uh, are struggling because of the regulations. Just a stifling environment. Another veteran story called Liberty's Heroes, and there's a video attached in this article from Gary Porter. He's a Vietnam veteran still fighting for the Constitution. After the 2008 election, he tells in that video he was interested in learning more about the Constitution. He went out and educated himself. The great thing about his story, Gary Porter's story, is he was originally one of the opponents of the Article 5 convention. He actually went down and lobbied against us at the state capitol found a pamphlet from Mike Ferris uh, indicating that, that Mike was going to be in town giving a lecture. He went and attended that lecture. He said he heard from Mike Ferris some arguments he had never heard before in support of a convention, and he is now gung-ho, this Gary Porter's gung-ho, full-on supporter of the Convention of States project and wants others to join him in that Liberty's Heroes. Check out that article, please. One of our Louisiana district captains wrote an op-ed talking about the Iran nuclear deal proving that Washington is broken. And, of course, he details the Congress abdicating its own power, the Senate abdicating its power in the treaty provision, actually flipping that on its head, making it possible for the president to broker a deal. The president then actually has broken the law which the Senate actually passed, has hidden several of the side deals, and this is another indication that Washington is broken, and it also demonstrates to us that as district captains or as volunteers, supporters, even if you aren't officially a member of the Convention of States, if you want to write an op-ed, if you want to get on Twitter, there are ways to get uh, our promotion out there in the media. If you know somebody in a newspaper, you can get an op-ed printed, or you just send one in. They have contact information on each of their sites on their editorial editorial page. You can write a quick editorial commentary, and there are a lot of times that they will print them. And then finally, uh, a great story here, an open letter concerning our Second Amendment rights and the Convention of States. This was written by uh, Charles Cooper, He's a constitutional attorney, been fighting in this battle for 30-plus years, was in the Reagan administration. He works with the uh, NRA, and his argument there is that it is the government that is currently functioning, and especially the Supreme Court, which will take away our Second Amendment rights. There are four justices at this moment who would gladly take away our Second Amendment rights, which means that if one more justice is appointed while those four remain we are in great jeopardy of losing our second amendment rights uh, mr cooper mentions in this article that there is a a smaller gun rights organization which has been a thorn in his side he did not name them i will the national association for gun rights has been coming after the convention of states and the article five process they do not know what they are doing. They do not know the damage that they are doing in preventing this convention. It is the only way we are going to be able to rein in the federal government, the only way in which we are going to be able to place limitations on the Supreme Court justices, which are necessary. 
And finally, I have a second page of, of news. Uh, I attended a dinner. Uh, I was uh, able to attend and by gracious invitation from uh, Mark Meckler and Senator Coburn this past week. And one of the questions a, a friend of mine sitting right next to me asked of Mark, who was sitting across from us, was, when are we going to get some bumper stickers out? And lo and behold, uh, our state director here in in Texas had just gotten a package Mark had actually delivered to her, which had bumper stickers in them. But Mark let us know that a deal has just been is being finalized. They hope in the next 60 days to have a convention of states online store available to us for for promotional items, items such as bumper stickers. I'll show you an example of that in a moment. Uh, T-shirts and you know coffee mugs all the types of things that you can think of in a promotional online store and uh here's here's a sample bumper sticker Tamara had one of those uh, our state director she pulled those out and passed us out passed those out around to us at the table um i've got my bumper sticker now in my car but that's an example of of what we will have to get the word out there and just to put in people's minds they're going to see that phrase convention of states i wonder what that means there's when we get it out in the public, they start to ask questions. They start to get the little hooks out there when they hear a story, Article 5, anything that gets discussed, especially with the presidential campaign going on. You're going to have Governor Jindal, Governor Huckabee, who are strong supporters of us. You're going to have people like Rand Paul, Ted Cruz, Governor Kasich. They are going to mention Article 5 in varying ways. They're going to understand more and more, the, the public will understand as they see this phrase, Convention of States, they see these promotional items. You're wearing a T-shirt, you've got a bumper sticker on your car, you're drinking tea or coffee out of your mug. Just a great way to get the word out and to put this in people's minds. Our presentation will begin once again with our reading of Article 5, the pertinent information, the Congress, on the application of the legislatures of two-thirds of the several states, shall call a convention for proposing amendments which shall be valid to all intents and purposes as part of this Constitution when ratified by the legislatures of three-fourths of the several states or by conventions in three-fourths thereof, as the one or the other mode of ratification may be proposed by the Congress. And on to slide number two, the Convention of States application states that under the provisions of Article 5 of the Constitution of the United States, we ask the state legislatures to apply for the calling of a convention of the states limited to proposing amendments to the Constitution of the United States that impose fiscal restraints on the federal government, limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government, and limit the terms of office for its officials and for members of Congress. And slide number three is again a reminder that we are presenting here each week on our podcast some tools for you, footholds, handholds, as you climb that rock wall as you attempt to uh, convince other people, the opposition, the arguments you need, the facts you need, as we present our case for an Article 5 Convention of the States. On to the Alien and Sedition Acts of 1798. Again, this is an example in which the opposition comes to James Madison as he vote, wrote the Virginia Resolution in 1798 in opposition to John Adams' Alien and Sedition Acts. And today we're just going to look at what is really a fascinating history behind the Alien and Sedition Acts. And we want to get the full breadth of John Adams and the context here. So slide number four, 
a very, very high-level overview. They, the American Revolution, roughly 1773 to 1781, I started with the uh, the Tea Party in Boston. You know, you had the Sons of Liberty, cousins Samuel and John Adams involved. All of that uh, rebellion, certainly before 1773, but things really started to heat up uh, towards the end of 1773 with the Tea Party. Of course, by 1776 through 1778, the French are actually beginning to aid, secretly, give aid to the United States. The French, of course, always at war with Great Britain at that time and saw an opportunity there to help weaken Great Britain through supporting the United States in their rebellion, in their revolution. And in, at 1778, they, of course, formally allied with the United States, helped us in our revolution and that surrender in 1781 of the British was to American and French forces at Yorktown, if you remember. So an alliance there between the Americans and the French. In 1783, we have the Treaty of Paris between Great Britain, France, and the U.S., the three principal players in the American Revolution, working out all those details that you do in a treaty, the payment, the retribution, or you know, the, the, the repayment of bills you know France had given us great loans to the US figuring out the boundaries of the nations all of those things worked out in the treaty the french revolution then seeing the uh, wonders of of our revolution in overthrowing a tyrannical government the french revolution began in earnest in 1789 theirs took quite a different course uh 10 years running in 1793 president washington formally declared neutrality in all issues foreign where America did not have an interest. Even in his uh, farewell address in 1796, he impressed that, that the United States preferred to remain a neutral nation. Well, by 1798 to 1800, during John Adams' presidency, the tensions with the French, French, French have increased. And the Federalists, you know, that old group which was formed by those folks, the Sons of Liberty, and all who had joined with them, written a Declaration of Independence, had come up with an Articles of Confederation, and had then come up with the Constitution. Many of them were now, in anticipation of war, ready to impose some severe restrictions on anyone who would oppose them, who would oppose the Federalists, and, of course, on any aliens. And in that sense, the aliens are, at that point, the French. So, at this point in American politics... You have the Federalists who existed, and now you have a group called the Republicans. And don't mix those up with Republicans of today. These were led by Jefferson, Madison, and Monroe, folks who sided more with the French in their revolution as it was a cause to overthrow a tyrannical and a monarchy government. But you had the Federalists who very much wanted to protect uh, some more almost puritanical type of understanding of governing, and as they could not openly take on the French, but they were preparing and anticipating that war, they turned their attention towards those who were actually in the nation, those who were formerly on the side politically with them, now the, the Republicans, and of course any French who were actually in the nation. So we go to slide number five. Political intrigue again. Back in the late 1700s, 1797 to 1798, something called the XYZ Affair. And X, Y, and Z 
are the code names for the three French liaisons, ambassadors, envoys, in which the American envoys, they were to go ahead and conduct diplomatic relations with these men. And the, the uh, American envoys, Pinckney, Gary, and Marshall, and you may, or Jerry. These, Pinckney is Charles Pinckney, Jerry is Elbridge, Gary, and Marshall, John Marshall, who became uh, Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. And, of course, Pinckney and Gary were at the Constitutional Convention in 1787. So these are men who are well aware of the Constitution. And it comes out as they are over in France. In essence, they're asked to pay a bribe, cash, to just meet with these people, with X, Y, and Z, and to conduct state affairs with France. They refuse. This is a complete disconnect that the Americans have with how France and other nations have conducted diplomatic business for decades and centuries, that there is always cash flowing and favors being done, and the Americans refuse to do this. This affair becomes public knowledge at some point, and the Americans become the American nation becomes furious with France. This, of course, stokes the fire of the possibility of war with the French. And all the while, Jefferson, who is the Secretary of State, has been counseling the French to delay negotiations, perhaps until a new president was elected. Jefferson, of course, becoming that new president in 1801, hoping to delay negotiations until that president is elected. And so you've got these three men over in Paris, Pinckney, Gary, and Marshall, attempting to conduct some diplomacy that's not occurring, uh, Jefferson giving his counsel to the French, and John Adams, president, and the Federalists go ahead and turn their attention to the domestic opposition of Jefferson, Madison, and Monroe, and they come up, we go to slide six, with three acts, which are known as the Alien and Sedition Acts. And the first one we want to look at is the Alien Act, in June 25th of 1798, this one's passed, an act concerning aliens is the official title. It included the authority given to the president to, quote, order all such aliens as he shall judge dangerous to the peace and safety of the United States, unquote, to be deported. Granting the president that authority, quite an unusual grab of authority for the executive just Eleven years earlier, they'd had quite a discussion at the Constitutional Convention to make sure that the executive did not have such an overreaching authority. The Alien Enemies Act is the second one we want to look at, July 6th of 1798, an act respecting alien enemies. This one stated that when a state of war exists between our nation and another nation, any natives or subjects of the hostile nation shall be apprehended and deported, again, giving blanket authority to the president, to the executive branch, at their discretion as to who they would be able to deport, as to who they would be able to apprehend, uh, all the actions against them. And finally, the Sedition Act, an act in addition to the act entitled, quote, an act for the punishment of certain crimes against the United States, unquote. This is July 14th of 1798. And in Section 2, I want to highlight that this has an, a section in Section 2. I'm going to quote the whole thing, well, a portion of this. This is a full quote. If any person shall write, print, utter, or publish, or shall cause or procure to be written, printed, uttered, or published, 
or shall knowingly and willingly assist or aid in writing, printing, uttering, or publishing any false, scandalous, and malicious writing or writings against the government of the United States. I'm going to end the quote there. It goes on. This is obviously quite an infringement upon the First Amendment right freedom of speech. And, of course, Madison, along with Jefferson and Monroe at this point, furious with Adams and his administration, the complete overreach that they have had. And that's where we're going to leave it today. Of course, the the overreach, the frustration, and the infuriation of the people who are now being called the Republicans, the Jeffersonian Republicans, including Madison and Monroe. Quick attribution. Uh, I've got several books on John Adams that I've been referencing, but uh, actually got one from the library, John Adams, Party of One, by James Grant, an older book, uh, looking up the Alien and Sedition Act, which, surprisingly, there's not a lot of information out on the Internet on that. But I did include the link here on slide 7 to the actual transcripts of those of those acts of those of that legislation uh it shows you the type of power and influence that the president already had over the the congress at that point uh, and the federalist and how easy it is for men to be corrupted and to think this is a great idea to suddenly constrain the people uh, even constrain their voice as we saw in the sedition act time to go to the phones again a reminder that our call in line is 914 914- Two zero five five six three two. The ground rules to speak respectfully, to keep to the subject, and we want to encourage dialogue, which means we pause and listen to each other. Again, our call in line nine one four two zero five five six three two. We have just a couple of minutes to take phone calls, and we're live. And I just want to make a, a quick correction: something that I mentioned during the presentation, Thomas Jefferson being the Secretary of State at that point uh, in seventeen ninety eight. Jefferson was not Secretary of State. He was actually Vice President. He'd been Secretary of State earlier. Does not change the fact that he was doing behind-the-scenes negotiations with France, uh, encouraging them to delay and delay in these negotiations and in this diplomacy. Uh, No phone calls are teed up. Next week we will look at Madison and the Virginia Resolution. We'll, We'll look a little bit at the Kentucky Resolution as well from Thomas Jefferson, but it is Adams who gets quoted often, I'm sorry, not Adams, Madison who gets quoted often by opponents of Article 5 at various stages of his life. This is the last thing they they point to, his idea of the states having the power to interpose, interposition upon the federal government. I'm going to go ahead and close us on out now. And that's a wrap for this episode of That Provident Article. I'd like to thank Madison Rising, America's most patriotic rock band, for playing us out with the Star-Spangled Banner. Be sure to visit their website at madisonrising.com and check them out on iTunes or Amazon Music. Also, thanks go out to Mark Meckler, founder and president of Citizens for Self-Governance, and Michael Ferris, head of the Convention of States Project. And more thanks to our state leadership team here in Texas, Don Glacy, our membership coordinator, Martin Harry, our legislative liaison, Tom Dowdy, our coalition's director, and Tamara Colbert, our state director. These patriots have put in thousands of hours of volunteer time for the cause of liberty, and I count it a great privilege to work with them. Yes, we are the brave. Yes, we are the brave.
like you and